It's time for Tycoons of Small Biz, spotlighting the true backbone of the American economy, the true tycoons of business in America, the owners, founders, and CEOs of small businesses. The show's hosts, Austin Peterson and Landon Nance, are registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker-dealer, member SIPC, and registered investment advisor. The views expressed by your hosts, Austin and Landon, are not necessarily the views of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Backbone Planning Partners is a marketing name for registered representatives of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Now let's lean in as Austin and Landon connect with this week's Tycoons. Good afternoon, Tycoons, and welcome to today's episode of Tycoons of Small Biz. I'm your host here, as always, coming to you live from the studio here in Tempe, Arizona. And if this is the first time that you're listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, this is a radio program and a podcast that's put together by small business owners for small business owners. Landon and I are partners in a wealth management firm, small business, and then we are also multi-generational small business owners. And we also have some other partners uh, in the show, Fintrepid Solutions and uh, Pivotal Advisors that are also small businesses. So we, we believe that the small business owner in this country is truly the backbone of the American economy. So May of 2020, we put together this podcast as a way to prop up the small business owner throughout this country. And we definitely have one of those tycoons of small biz in the, pro, in the uh, studio on the program with us today, Max Getz of Casey LeSueur Getz CPAs in Mesa, Arizona. Max, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. That is a, that is a mouthful to get out, Casey LeSueur Getz, but it definitely sounds like an accounting firm. Yeah, it definitely is. And LeSueur is a, uh, a tough name to say, but a name with a great reputation. So it's worth it, I guess. Yeah, definitely. That is a very well-known name in the East Valley of uh, of Arizona, for sure, or, uh, or of Phoenix, I should say. So, Max, before we jump into the business side of things, tell us a little bit about you personally. Tell us about your family. Where did you grow up? Where did you go to college? How many kids do you have? Whatever you'd like us to know about you personally. Sure, yeah. Happy to talk about myself. So, I grew up in California, but don't hold that against me. I uh, lived in Sacramento, California, as well as San Luis Obispo, California. Um, moved here with my wife about five years ago from Sacramento. Three kids, uh, two girls, one boy. They're about as much fun as you can have dealing with those three. Very difficult, but uh, yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> when I'm not working, I'm usually golfing. That's my that's my uh, getaway. That's how I get away from the the job as well as the kids for a little while. Then I come back, happy to see them, happy to happy to get some work done. Went to school at Sacramento State in Sacramento, obviously. Studied accounting there. That was about a little over a decade ago. Then I started working for a large accounting firm in Sacramento in the uh, private equity department of uh, KPMG, one of the big four firms. I continued my career at another large firm in Sacramento. And then after I moved out here, it had always been a goal of mine to continue my studies and get a master's degree in taxation because I think it's important in my industry that you don't stop learning. And so even though I'd been a CPA for, you know, six years or so at that point, I decided to go back to school while continuing to work, obviously. But I went back to school and uh, studied at Portland State University and got my master's degree in taxation. I figured people are trusting me with their financial life. I better do everything I can to be the best at it that I can be. And so that's why I decided to go back to school after being in the industry for so long. Yeah, that's that's my background. Is there anything I uh, didn't cover that I should have covered? I think you covered it. Tell us tell us what brought you from California to Arizona. A, uh, I was looking for a business-friendly state. Um, in my industry, you need to be surrounded by entrepreneurs and people that are trying to build a business and want to be in business. And California just is not business friendly, to say it frankly. It's not a, it doesn't support small business owners the way Arizona does. So I decided to give Arizona a try. I saw, um, you know, I had extended family who lived out here and they were doing great and they loved it. So my wife and I decided to give it a try. After about maybe a year or two, we realized that this is where we're going to be long term. We, we are very pleased with what we've uh, experienced here. And at this point, I can't imagine living anywhere else, to be honest. 
Awesome. And you guys live in Gilbert, right? We live in Gilbert. Um, that's where we, we first moved when we got here. Love it. It's, you know, like I said, I have three young kids and it is about as family friendly as it gets. It's golfer friendly as well, of course. That's important. Um, and then it's also, you know, not far from my office. I, my office is on the border of Mesa and Gilbert. So, I, you know, I got a 20 minute drive to get into the office and um, I get to avoid the Phoenix traffic. And so, you know, I'm happy man. Yeah, no doubt. You can't, you can't beat that. It's funny. Yesterday I was out and about uh, just kind of running some errands and, you know, it's a national holiday. And I could not believe how much traffic there was on the 60 and the 101 yesterday. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm lucky to not have to experience that most days. Yeah, yeah, you and you and me both. I I do not miss the uh, the commuting days for sure. So tell us a little bit about Casey Lesweir Gets. I mean, obviously a CPA firm, but what's your niche? What do you guys do that's unique uh, in in the uh, industry? Yeah, absolutely. So what I think is unique about our firm is we have highly competent accounting professionals and tax professionals. But we don't we don't try to act like the other large accounting firms where we where we kind of stick to just advising and just tax compliance. We like to look at the business owner's entire life and everything that they need so that we can fulfill those needs. Because what I've found in my career is the advice that I give is only as good as the information I'm relying on. And so if you come to me and you bring me financial statements that are not accurate, the advice that I give you is not going to be accurate. So what we did was we built our firm in a way that solves that problem. So we allow our clients to have access to what I consider to be the best advisors in Arizona while still having access to a staff that can provide accurate accounting records and financial statements and a staff that can provide all of the tax compliance that they need. And that compliance is not strictly income tax it's also, you know, sales tax, it's payroll. Um, there's so many responsibilities that business owners have, as you know, and we like to be able to fulfill those needs in a way that, that supports all the other services we provide, specifically the advising that we provide. So if we're taking care of the accounting and the other compliance needs, it allows me to provide advice based on accurate information. Yeah, so let's unpack that a little bit, talk a little bit more about advice, because th the reality is I find it all the time, and, and Landon and I's business, we work almost exclusively with business owners. And it's shocking to me how few of them understand that not all tax preparation teams provide tax advice as well, right? There's a difference between preparing what you receive, right? So bringing in all you know, the, the proverbial shoebox of, of receipts versus giving advice proactively and ahead of the event of what's being prepared. So talk to us a, bit, a little bit about that and why it's important. Absolutely. So, you know, what I typically say is I'm a tax advisor who also does tax compliance. I'm not a tax compliance only type of guy, meaning there are a lot of people who will prepare a tax return for you. There's not a lot of people who can give you high level advice prior to preparing that tax return. What we do as part of our uh, system is we like to meet with our business owners before the year ends, typically November, December. And we sit down with them and we look at their numbers. We look at how their year went because the advice that I give you in a highly successful year is going to be different from the advice I give you in a not so successful year. And so by doing that, we're proactively working on your tax uh, system, basically we're making sure that in years where you're really successful, we're prepared for the tax return and we're taking advantage of any opportunities that you have before it's too late. Because with most things in the tax world, as soon as uh, January 1st hits, it's like things are set in stone. There's not a whole lot we can do after that. But in November, December, we can still have an impact on your tax return and the amount of tax that you pay. So we like to meet with our business owners in November, December, look through their year, let them know what their tax rates are because they can then make informed decisions. You know, there are a lot of times where I'll have a client speak to me in December and say, hey, if I buy a tax or if I buy a truck, will that reduce my tax bill? 
It will. Yeah, it, it definitely will. But this might not be the year to do it. I mean, if you're in a low tax bracket right now, why do it in December? Let's do it in January. We know next year is projected to be more successful. Or the alternative could take place. It's you had a great year. You made a lot of money and you have told me you need a new truck. Well, if you're going to buy a new truck, do it this week. Don't don't wait till you know January 1st. It's really, it, it all comes back to my philosophy of there is no one-size-fits-all advice in the tax world. We need to know what makes sense for your situation this year. Because it, as all business owners know, their income changes more than a W-2 employee's income changes, right? Yep. They have great years and they have years where you know they don't make as much. And we're going to take advantage of those years where you don't make, it, make as much. We're going to have a long-term focus on your finances so that you can build wealth in a tax-efficient way. It's not... You know, the advice that I give you is not just let's save taxes immediately. It's let's build a system that allows you to build wealth over the course of your career in a tax efficient manner. Yeah, exactly. I think I think that's actually a big thing that gets missed specifically, like you said, that the compliance folks who are out there just just preparing they're they're always looking through just that tax lens. How do we reduce that taxable amount for you for this year and not taking into account what that means for the long term, right? The enterprise value of the organization, if you're ultimately looking to sell it down the road, the way that your taxes are prepared today can have an impact on how much you can sell that business for in the future. Absolutely. And, you know, what I what I like to talk to with new clients is say, what are your goals? Is your goal to, you know, build a valuable business and sell it? Okay, my advice is going to be different than somebody coming in and saying, you know, this is what I want to do for my career. And I want to make good money each year. And, you know, I actively participate in my business. Well, that's a completely different setup. You know, that's the, what's tax efficient for client A isn't going to be tax efficient for client B. And so, and we work with clients that have, you know, varying goals. Some clients, you know, are really looking to build a business that, that could be sold in a couple of years and they can get that one time, you know, financial gain. And... So we want to make sure that the advice that we give supports that goal because there's no reason for me to um, to try to mold one client into a system that's really designed for a client with a completely different goal. Yeah, definitely. So obviously a lot of different ways it can go. And, and like you said, it's, it's about their goals. What are you trying to accomplish? And then we'll help you get there the most efficiently as, as possible. So... Most business owners, actually, I'm, I'm going to say 100% of every business owner that I've ever met tells me that they want to pay as little as possible in tax, right? So let's talk about what a business owner can do, some different ideas for reducing tax, uh, reducing their tax expenses. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I always start with saying, like, make sure that your accounting system is correct, because if your accounting system is not correct, your taxable income number is not correct. And so... I see a lot of business owners that will rely on, I'll, I'll say, unqualified um, accountants to give them their financial statements. And I'll look at it and I'll say, okay, well, this is a good starting point, but I don't think this is your taxable income number. Let us let me ask you a few questions and see if there's some things missing in here. And that business owner may go from having income of 500000 down to 400000 And it's like, if we didn't do this investigation right here, you would have paid tax on $100,000 of income that you didn't actually earn. And so the first thing is make sure that you have a correct idea of your taxable income number. And we can help you do that. The second thing is let's get, a, uh, let's get the correct entity set up for you. Because again, going back to that conversation about goals, it's not a one size fits all when it comes to entity selection, but there is the right entity for your business. And let's make sure you're in that, that entity type. And the great thing about that is this isn't a, um, that's great, this will save me taxes this year. It's, no, that's great, this will save me taxes every year. And so let's make sure you're in the right entity type for your business and your goals. And then the last thing I, I would say is be aware of your tax rates. If you're, again, if you're in a really high tax bracket this year, there's things that we should be doing before the year ends. And if you're not in a high tax bracket, there's things that sound like good ideas that actually aren't. Like, for instance, if you want to talk about retirement accounts, if you're in a really low tax bracket, why would we be putting money into tax deferred accounts like a 401k? 
know, everybody says 401ks are the best route. And typically they are, unless you happen to be in a really low tax bracket. Why would we, why would we defer taxes to a year when you're probably in a higher tax bracket? So let's just make sure that we're making decisions based on your actual current situation and not on what your friends are doing or what you've heard is good. That's the starting point. And I feel like once you get that system, then we can go into you know more detail and, and figure out, okay, what, how do we fine tune this and get the, and take advantage of opportunities there. But first we have to make sure you have a good system. Yeah. So speaking of that system, right? I mean, you're, you're looking at the system and you're going to look at their financial statements that they bring you. And you typically, I'm sure are seeing, I wouldn't maybe say red flags, but you're seeing something that just looks a little bit off, right? And so what, what are some pretty common bookkeeping mistakes that you see, you know, business owners make, whether it's them themselves because they're doing it personally or they've outsourced it to somebody who just maybe isn't fully qualified to do it? Yeah. So the first place that I look at when I'm trying to see if um, a financial statement looks legitimate and accurate is I just look at the balance sheet and I talk to the business owner. I say, does this reflect reality? Let's go through these assets. Do you still own this? Is this an accurate value? Let's look at the liabilities. Frequently, I'll see a, you know, I'll see a loan where the balance hasn't changed all year long, but you've been making payments to it and it's not an interest-only loan. It's like, well, how does that happen? Is that a coincidence? I doubt it. So you, I look at the balance sheet to have a conversation with the business owner because even if the business owner doesn't have a good accounting system, they generally have a general idea of what they own and what they owe. And so we can talk and say, okay, this is a red flag or, or it's not, or it's, you know, it might be reflecting reality. The, the next thing that I see frequently is the business owner hired the bookkeeper that they like, not necessarily the bookkeeper that was qualified to do it. And so what I tell people, and whether you own a business or not, you need to audit the people that are helping you with your personal finances or business finances. You need to look in their qualifications and see if they should actually be giving you advice. Human beings have this tendency to say, man, I really like working with this person. I'm going to overlook this. But in reality, when it comes to your finances, this isn't a hobby. You know, accounting is not a hobby. It's, you know, you need somebody who has the ability to do it because at the end of the, end of the day, this is your livelihood. You know, you don't want to go have your daughter go do your books if she's not capable of doing them because now all of a sudden your business doesn't have accurate financials, which affects the amount of taxes you pay, but also affects the value of your business. If you're ever looking to bring on a partner or an investor or sell your business, you want financials that are accurate because personally, I'm not going to buy a business if I don't think the financials are accurate. I don't think many people would. So common bookkeeping mistakes tend to come from uh, bookkeepers who are not qualified or capable to do the job. And so my advice, you know, generally to business owners is audit the qualifications of the people working for you. So, and that's, uh, yeah, I guess I can probably put that in a more tactful way, but you know, that's the reality of it is not everyone is qualified to do this type of work. And sadly, there's a very low barrier to entry to this type of industry. You know, any, anybody listening to this, if you want to start a tax practice, you can do it tomorrow. You know, you're not going to be a CPA and you probably shouldn't do it tomorrow, but you could do it tomorrow if you wanted to. And anybody listening to this that owns a business, somebody that you hired to do your taxes may not have been doing taxes yesterday and they may not have gone to school for it. So just audit the qualifications of the people that are helping you. That would be my, my advice. I think it's good advice. I mean, you, you've obviously got to look into the background and the qualifications of anybody that you're hiring, specifically if it has something to do with something that's as important as your finances, right? And obviously, Landon and I would say the same thing about what we do because it's another part of their financial picture. And it is, and our industry is actually very easy to get into as well. I mean, if you can pass a couple of tests, you could technically provide financial advice the next day. The tests aren't super easy, but they're also not super hard. If you're pretty good at taking a test, you you could actually receive those tests. But beyond, or excuse me, you could pass those tests. But beyond that, you've got to put in, you know, the time and the experience and get some expertise and, you know, maybe add some other designations. Like you said, the Masters of Tax for you. For me, it might be the CFP. You know, there are lots of different ways that you can 
gain additional expertise and knowledge. And the other thing that I would add to that beyond just auditing their qualifications and their, their abilities is sometimes you just get what you pay for, right? I mean, I, I had a, a newer client in the last couple of weeks say, I'm, I'm finally to the point where I realize that if I want good advice, I, I have to pay for it. And so, you know, we, we warned this guy because he'd said a couple of things in, in passing in different uh, initial meetings we had with him that made us, you know, our ears perk up and realize he's, he's kind of afraid of paying for a certain level of advice. And we just said, you know, we need to warn you, our fee is not low. It is, it is not cheap but you will receive the value if you put in the efforts. And we, we believe that we will truly earn the fee that we're quoting to you, but we need you to know that it's going to be at least this. And that was for us to cut it off and not waste our time any longer if he wasn't going to be willing to say, okay, you know, that's a big number, but I'm at least open to paying that if you guys can show me that you'll bring that value. And, and, and that's the case. I mean, you know, different CPA firms, bookkeeping firms, whatever, some of them charge more than others. And sometimes that sh makes somebody shy away. But the reality is it should make you lean in and say, okay, why are they charging more? What's the additional value that I'm going to get by paying their fee? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, I generally tell people I don't win clients based on my price. I win them based on my service and my capabilities. I take a lot of comfort in knowing that I tell people up front before they start to work with me how much they're going to pay. And so there's no hard feelings if anybody says I'm too expensive. The reality is that the market ends up dictating what I can charge and there's people that are willing to pay what I charge. So as long as people are up front about what they charge, they sh in my opinion, there's no hard feelings. When you walk into the Louis Vuitton store, you're going to pay more than when you walk into Walmart. And there's nothing wrong with that. In my industry, the one thing that I think turns me off a little bit is oftentimes clients don't know what they're going to pay because they pay by the hour. And, you know, if I if I spend 10 hours on something that you thought would take me five hours, well, your bill's twice as much. I don't bill by the hour. I say, this is what I'm going to provide to you. This is my plan for you. This is what I would do if I were in your shoes. And this is how much it'll cost to implement this plan before they become a client, they, they know how much that costs. And so they can make an educated decision. And, and really that's kind of what all my advice comes down to is, is I want you to be informed when you make your decisions, whether it's about hiring me or whether it's about making a decision in your business, I'm here to provide you information. At the end of the day, these are your decisions to make. I just want you to make them with all the information needed. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. All right. So I want you, you talked a little bit about uh, entity type. So I want to take a quick break. Let's have, let's have a call to action for our listeners here, and then we'll come back and talk about, uh, you know, how you help your clients determine which entity type best suits them. Absolutely. Hey there, tycoons. Austin Peterson here, co-host of Tycoons of Small Biz. If you think you have what it takes to be considered a tycoon and you're wondering how you could become a featured guest, please follow and then message us at Tycoons of Small Biz on LinkedIn. We'd love to have a conversation with you to see if it is a mutually good fit. And if so, we'll get you scheduled for an interview. If you're unsure about being a guest on our podcast, but are contemplating selling your business over the next few years, and you'd like to know what your business is worth, please also follow us and then message us on LinkedIn for your no obligation, informal valuation of your business. We look forward to hearing from you. And thanks for listening to the Tycoons of Small Biz podcast. And now back to today's program. All right, Tycoons, welcome back. We're here with Max Getz with uh, Casey Lesweer Getz CPAs in Mesa, Arizona. And we've, uh, we've talked a lot about reducing taxes, um, hiring the right bookkeeper, making good decisions, understanding who it is that you're hiring and, and why. Um, but one of the things that Max mentioned was the type of entity that suits a business, right? And I think, honestly, Max, sometimes, you know, you choose an entity type at the very beginning, maybe the LLC is the easiest to set up, maybe it's even a sole proprietorship. And, you know, it's easy, it's cost effective, and here we go. And then you just never kind of go back and look at that decision again, and realize that there are other benefits with other entity types. So tell us a little bit about what you go through with with your business owners on on that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this comes back to the uh, conversation we had earlier, where these types of decisions, they don't just save you tax dollars today. They save them 
every year. So we want to get these big decisions right first before we focus on the details. And so when I'm helping a client decide the right entity type for them, you know, I ask them about their goals. Again, if they want to build a business with the intentions of selling it or bringing on venture capital investors, we're not going to set them up the same way we would set up a business owner who wants to work in his business and he wants to own it for the next 40 years. We're going to set them up a little bit differently. So one of the questions would be, do you have partners? Are there multiple investors? How many, how many people are going to own this? Are you the sole owner? If you're the sole owner and you're going to actively participate in it and you want to own it for a long period of time and you're not really looking to, you're not building it just to sell it, you're building it to operate it, most likely you're going to be an S corporation. And that's, you know, nine times out of 10, if you answered, you know, yes to all those questions, you're going to be an S corporation. And that's because it's the most tax efficient way to operate your business if you're actively participating in it. And it gives us a lot of uh, opportunities for planning. However, if you have a lot of partners and some of the partners are going to be actively participating in it and some are not, and some are, um, strictly putting in money and they, they want to get a return on their investment, you're probably not going to be an S corporation because the S corporation does have some uh, limitations to it. So we may want to go LLC taxed as a partnership. If you're looking to bring on large investors, large investors often like to see corporations. So you have to, you have to look at what your uh, ideal investor may want. So we, you know, there's a lot that goes into it, but that's the general idea is making sure that um, I know what you want for your business before I tell you what entity type you should be. And, you know, for somebody just starting up a business, it's really not a bad idea to just start out with an LLC because LLCs are great because they offer a ton of flexibility. You know, maybe in the first year, you're the sole owner of this LLC and you're just, you know, ground floor, just getting it started. Well, a single member LLC is disregarded for tax purposes. That doesn't mean they don't pay tax. That means that they get they can file it on their individual return. And then down the road, they can make an election to be that corporation, be taxed as a corporation. They can make that election to be an S corporation. They can bring on a partner and be a LLC taxed as a partnership. We can we can basically kick the can down the road as far as decision making goes so that when it is time, we choose the right entity type at that time, but you also have a nice setup for right now when you're, when you're getting started. So, uh, you know, and the other thing is, let's say you've been operating your business, you're having success in it. And you're saying, man, when I started this business, it did not look the way it did now. Well, now's a good time to, to reevaluate the entity type because you don't want to kick that can down the road forever because you could be overpaying your taxes each year, or you could be, um, you could get to a position where you say, well, my business is worth a lot of money. I want to sell it. Well, is your entity type that you have right now, is that taxed efficiently on a sale? I've seen it many times where it's not. And if, uh, if said business owner had consulted a more, um, qualified or proactive CPA a little bit earlier, we could have done things to get prepared for this sale. But if you get the advice as the sale is occurring or after it's occurred, your options are much more limited. So, and this all goes back to making sure you have qualified people advising you. It's, uh, you know, it's not something that you put off until, you know, until you're going to sell. It's doing it, do it in advance, be proactive about it. Because there's just more options available the more time that you have. So, yeah, that's how I would help a client choose the right entity type for themselves. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> it's called planning for a reason, right? It's not it's not something that you just kind of figure out at the last second. Because um, we have the same thing in our in, in in our business. I mean, we tell clients all the time that you know we would prefer that you hire us three to ten years before you plan to exit your business. Now, does that mean that we won't help somebody who has an offer on the table today or, you know, wants to sell in six months or needs to sell in six months because there's a terminal illness or, you know, disability or whatever? 
No, we'll absolutely help them and do the best that we can. But if we plan ahead, like you said, choosing the right entity type and prepping everything for the sale, prepping the business for the sale, getting the financials in order, there's all these things that need to happen ahead of time. That is the value of what we do, you do and we do in terms of advice is to get them ready for that ultimate event, whether that's just their tax preparation for the year or the ultimate exit of their business in the future. And so that's what, you know, that's why it's so key to start early with anything finance related rather than waiting to the, to the last minute. Absolutely. And I see it a lot where, um, I'll get a new client because they've been working with a tax preparer who they trusted to do their tax return, but they didn't trust with their actual advice. And so when it comes time to sell, they say, well, I actually, I need some real advice at this point. So they get referred to me. And what I think of it is basically, if you knew you wouldn't trust your current tax preparer in a year where you have a large transaction, like the sale of your business, you shouldn't trust them the years leading up to it. You should be going and trust and working with somebody that you actually trust to give you advice. And the, the sad, I don't, sad's a strong word. The, the downside to waiting is there's a lot of things I could have done for these clients that are getting ready to sell or have an offer on the table that I can't do now because it's the year of the sale. There's, there's not a whole lot you can do. Whereas if we had talked about this five years ago, we would have uh, had a plan in place to transition in time to get into an entity setup or a situation that is more tax friendly in the year of a sale. Yeah, so so many things that can be done, right? That having the right entity type, starting to gift to if it's you know family uh, transition, whatever the case may be. There's so many different things that can be done, but they do have to be planned ahead. You can't do them at the last minute. So it, it's, you know, I, I think if anything, the message for anybody listening is you need to make a plan well in advance of whatever your goal is. Absolutely. It's, yeah, like you said, it's planning. It's not, it's not reacting. It's, it's all about planning and being prepared for these foreseeable events. Because if you own a business, you should understand that at some point you're not going to own that business, right? At some point you're going to sell it or you're going to leave it to kids or it's going to dissolve and it's going to run its course. But you have to be prepared that at some point I'm not going to own this. And so there is, uh, the, the time to plan for that isn't the year of the sale or the year of leaving the business. The time to plan for that is as early as possible. Yeah. And to understand that things change over the years, right? I mean, a lot of guys will decide they want to start their own plumbing business, for example, and it's just because they don't want to work for anybody anymore and they want to have their own truck and make their own hours and do what, you know, do their own thing. And they're, they're building a pretty good life for themselves and, you know, everything's good. And then all of a sudden they're getting busier and busier. And so they hire somebody else and then now they've got two vans on the road and then they've got three and then they've got 10 and they realize, well, gosh, you know, I just set this set out to have this be my own career, provide a job for myself, and now all of a sudden I've got a business that's worth a few million bucks, and you've got to you've got to treat it differently. You can't run it the same way that you ran it when it was a single van operation. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a lot of things that come from you know taking that step of being a self-employed person to actually being somebody who owns a business and has employees and has staff. Unfortunately, complexity comes with that too. And you need to make sure that um, if you're sticking with the same professional who helped you get started, that their qualifications have grown or, you know, we're already up to task for this type of business. You know, I see it a lot where a client will start out, you know, on their own, have success, expand into other states and, and thus expand their complexity. And luckily, you know, my background coming from a big four firm is, I'm used to these multi-state businesses. And so I'm able to advise them. But a lot of them, I look at them and, and I say like, I know the caliber of accountant that you came from and they wouldn't have a clue what to do in this situation. And you would not be in compliance in these states where you're earning money. And right now, any anybody who has had to deal with the IRS or the Department of Revenue, they realize that not being in compliance right now is a massive headache because there's not somebody at the IRS that's really looking to help you and get these things resolved. It's You're pretty much on your own with the IRS, so you want to stay in compliance. And if you're not in compliance or you're getting these notices, you better hope that the uh, the 
professional helping you get out of these issues isn't charging by the hour because right now I'll tell you that if I call the IRS, I'm on the hold with them for an hour before I talk to anybody. And that person isn't highly motivated to solve the taxpayer's issues. So it's best to, you know, get started in compliance as opposed to saying, oh, I'll clear this up later. You know, this is tomorrow's problem. It's no, it, it's it's much easier to stay in compliance than it is to get back into compliance. Yeah. Well, and I, and I got news for you. The IRS is looking for revenue. So trust me, audit rates are higher. They're probably going to be even higher. So it, it's something to be aware of and make sure it's done correctly. Absolutely. There's no reason to uh, give the IRS any reason to look at your returns just again, because the IRS is so difficult to deal with right now. You don't want to be spending time on the phone with them. Yeah. So I guess the proverbial question is, as a CPA, somebody who's, you know, working with this day in and day out and specializing working with business owners, what do you wish that business owners knew about taxes that they don't know about? I wish that they knew that saving tax dollars is not about the immediate deduction. It's, you know, that's great and it's important, but it's more about having the system that saves you taxes automatically. There are certain elections that we can make for your business that are just automatically going to save you money and it's going to do it every year. It's not about making that large asset purchase at the end of the year that you may or may not need. By all means, buy that truck if you need it. And if you're in a high tax rate, sure, buy it. But first, let's make sure that we get the free deductions. Let's make sure that we're not overpaying taxes just because we were too lazy to set up the business properly. Let's make sure that we have a system that allows our accounting and payroll and sales tax and payroll taxes and income taxes to all be paid systematically. Let's not wait until, you know, April to figure out, okay, what did we do last year? It's now let's get you on a nice system to where you're not, you know, laying awake at night wondering how much you owe. You know how much you owe because we have conversations about it. So for me, if you work with a professional, you can get set up on a system where this become it feels like it's automatic for the business owner because they don't get these, you know, notices. They don't get these hassles. They don't lay awake at night wondering what they owe because we have conversations about it. So generally what I say to a lot of my clients is when we're operating at our best, it'll feel like we're not even doing anything because you won't see it. We're we're taking care of things so you don't see it. You don't get those letters from the IRS. The only thing that you'll be getting is you'll be getting financial statements from us regularly, monthly. We're saying, here's your financials. Let us know if you have questions about it. If you want to come in and meet and discuss what's going on, we're happy to do that. It it doesn't, accounting and taxes should not be interesting. That's kind of how I put it. It's like, <laughs> we, we should be the most boring people in your life. We shouldn't be, we should be keeping you away from stress. It's, uh, you know, let's set up a system to where it runs smoothly and you you are taxed efficiently. You know, the goal isn't to pay zero tax. The goal is to pay the lowest tax rate that you are legally entitled to. So we want those good years where you make a lot of money, but we want you to to be prepared to pay um, the lowest legal tax rate on it. So let's set up that system to where your business can be really successful, to where your accounting is being done properly and you're paying as little taxes as you're um, legally allowed to. So that's that's kind of the first thing I wish business owners knew. Second thing, I wish they knew their tax rates because, it, you know, it's tougher for a business owner because it does change as your business income changes. But by November, you should have a good idea of how much money you're going to make for the year. Well, let's have a conversation. Let's do a tax projection. Let's figure out what your tax rate is. That way you make informed decisions because, again, I don't want the business owner who's struggling this year income-wise to go and buy a bunch of assets that could have been bought in January. Let's not pay taxes when, let's not take a tax deduction when your tax rate's low. Let's take it when your tax rate's high to the extent possible. So I just wish that business owners knew that there are very um, easy ways to set up their business and their financial life in a way that allows them to pay taxes at a lower rate. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you 100%. I, I tell my clients all the time, I, I don't care whether you're Republican or Democrat, there is nothing patriotic about paying more taxes than you're legally required to pay. Period. Absolutely. Yeah, I've never had uh, anyone on either side of the aisle say, man, I wish I was paying more taxes. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 
And, and I'll tell you the other, you know, your comment about, um, you know, you want to be the most, most boring people that they interact with, right? I'm, I'm sure you're aware as an accountant that you're perceived as boring people, many that don't have, uh, you know, personalities, yep. right? And I, I would say that you don't fit that mold. We've had interactions beyond this, but your, your personality is different than maybe the stereotypical accountant. But I do have to tell my favorite CPA joke. Okay. You've, you've probably it. heard this, but uh, you know how you can spot an outgoing accountant? How's that? They're looking at your shoes when talking to you instead of their own. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> in, uh, in the accounting world, when you come out of school, you typically either go one of two places. You, you go to audit, where you go and audit these large companies' financial statements, or you go to tax. And everyone on the audit side thinks that they have the most outgoing personality and they love to make fun of the tax side. And, uh, and so they make the same joke. And it's basically like, Oh, if you have no personality, go to the tax side. And I tell these auditors, I say, you guys are so funny and outgoing that you all share the same joke. I've heard it a thousand times. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So if you got an accounting degree, you know, you're, you probably aren't the most interesting person in the world. You're not the wildest person, but uh, you're probably one of the more stable people in, in your life. You know, typically the typical accountant is looking out for people beyond themselves. And so, you know, I have no problem with being called the most boring person in the world. I don't really want to be all that interesting, if I'm being honest. I want to be uh, unnoticeable. That's kind of how I how I put it. <laughs> well, it's funny though because you know people people claim to want to you know spend time with interesting people and they want to be outgoing and they want to go and you know be adventurous and whatever. And and it's not that an accountant can't be any of those things, but it's interesting to me that people who are described as boring are also the most trusted advisor that any of us have, right? And that's st studies every single year, PricewaterhouseCoopers or whoever, you know, puts these studies out. Every single year, the most trusted advisor in anybody's life is their CPA. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's it's a huge compliment to hear that from people. And I think it's, it's one of those things where um, when my clients meet with me, they might like what I have to tell them. They might dislike what I have to tell them but they know that it's going to be based on facts. And, you know, sometimes I'm the hero because I'm telling them they have a refund, even though it's not my fault that they, or it's not because <laughs> of me that they have the refund. It's, you know, they overpay their taxes. Yep. Sometimes I'm the enemy because I'm telling them, hey, you owe money. And so what I like to do is I like to have those meetings before the year end so that I can prepare them and say, you know, it looks like you're going to owe money unless you make these changes. And so, yeah, I, 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 definitely chose the profession because I knew it had such a high reputation. I, I knew I was going to put in the work to get here and I was willing to do that as long as in the end you get to a point where people trust you. And so, um, yeah, I chose to be an accountant at a fairly young age. I mean, I was probably 19 or 20 when I made the decision. And I just realized, hey, I'm 19 years old. Nobody trusts me right now with their money because <laughs> nor should they. But I, I said, okay, here's a clear path that I can, uh, you know, put the work in, I can get the certificates, I can get the degrees, then I can at some point, you know, 15 years later, I can uh, give them advice and it comes from, uh, you know, a place of uh, qualification and understanding. And there, there is one thing that's very unique about um, the CPA profession. And that's, we don't, we're not limited to one business where we, we only see one business as financials. I see hundreds of financials each year and I can provide advice that comes from a lens of seeing multiple businesses and seeing how people are running their businesses very successfully and where people are struggling. And I can tailor my advice to either one. And then, I, you know, for the client that's struggling, I can kind of say like, look, this is what I see in your financials that I wouldn't see in a business that's being really successful. And I can kind of give them that advice. And it all comes back to my job is to give you information so that you can make wise decisions. My job isn't to make decisions for you. It's, I can tell you the right entity type, but if you don't trust me, or if you have a different goal that you haven't communicated to me, then by all means, make that decision. There's no, there's no hard feelings. And, and that kind of comes back to the way that I operate my business. It's, I'm going to tell you in advance what my plan would be for you and what I would do if I were in your shoes. And I'm going to tell you exactly how much it's going to cost for the year. If you don't agree with the plan or if you don't agree with the price, 
there's absolutely no hard feelings. You know, there's, um, I've been blessed to have a lot of great loyal clients who come back year after year. And so I don't, I don't have to have hard feelings if somebody doesn't want to come on. So I've yeah. been, yeah, I, I count my blessings every day as far as, you know, who I work with, you know, client wise and in my office, my team, I'm very, I'm possibly the luckiest accountant in Arizona. <laughs> well, I think, you know, Landon and I feel the same way, actually. I mean, we're, we're to the point in our careers where I, and I tell people this all the time, you know, a lot of guys who do what I do and same thing with what, what you do are wearing that white shirt, tie, full suit, you know, maybe it's a three-piece suit, definitely a sport coat, you know, whatever. You're wearing a sport coat today, but it's a, I would call it a trending, a trendy sport <laughs> coat. But I'm, I'm wearing jeans today, yep. which is very different for most people in, in my industry. And I, I just got to the point where I said, you know, if people are choosing to work with me based on the clothes that I'm wearing to the meeting, that's not somebody that I want to work with anyway at this stage in my career. When I was 23 and I started out, I wanted to work with anybody who would be willing to work with me, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And what I tell a lot of people is, you know, business should be fun because you're going to spend a whole lot of your life doing it. So don't, don't put yourself in a situation where you're uncomfortable. Don't work with people that make you uncomfortable. And again, that's why I tell people up front my plan for them and, you know, my costs. I don't, I don't want to take on a client who's going to be frustrated with me. I want them to be excited to work with me. And, and if they're not, again, there's no hard feelings. So, yeah, yeah, I, I can't, I can't agree more. Like being able to control, and that's probably how most business owners feel. They went into business because there's a certain life that they wanted to live, whether that's, you know, be more casual or maybe they want to, you know, dress in a suit. I don't know. I haven't met many people that do, but maybe they do. But yeah, I, I chose to be a business owner. I could have, I could have stayed a staff employee at a large firm, but I had different goals. And so, um, yeah, yeah I, I can't, I can't stress enough how blessed I am to do what I do, where I do it and with the people I do it with. Yeah. So believe it or not, we're pushing up against the end of time here. So I'm going to throw it back to you and say, just at the, with the last few minutes that we have, tell us how you guys are unique, what's different, why people should care and want to, you know, pursue working with Casey LeSueur and Getz. Um, and then how do, you know, what's the best way to get a hold of you or, or your firm in general? Yeah, absolutely. So what differentiates us from every other CPA firm is our team. Our team is better than every other CPA's firm. And, you know, that sounds braggadocious to say it that way, but I 100% believe it. And the reason why we're better is we have the technical ability and skills that large firms have, but we still have the small firm mindset of putting the people, the client first, as far as if we make you successful and we do the best that we can for your business, our business will be successful in turn. Our, our accounting team is so good. It, it blows my mind. Um, we see the, the interesting thing about my business is I see financials prepared by in-house bookkeepers, I see it prepared by other accounting firms. And um, what I see is my accounting team can look at a set of financials prepared by a reputable firm and they can spot 10 errors in 10 minutes. It's they're, they're so good at what they do. And for our clients to have access to them, like a lot of them realize how blessed they are to have access to that. And a, and a lot of them think that it, that's the norm, but unfortunately it's not the norm. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of people who decide that they're accountants before they're qualified to be accountants. So what differentiates us is just the caliber of our people. And we, we have these people because we, we hire people based on their abilities and their character and we treat them with the respect so that they stay. This, uh, this method of doing things allows our clients to get access to the best accounting minds that they probably wouldn't have at any other firm. I, I, I should say they might not be able to afford this. Like if you want the, the level of accounting that we have, you probably need to hire somebody with a master's degree and pay them for 40 hours a week. We have structured our firm in a way that allows you to have very qualified accountants look at your books and have a team of accountants because no matter how good your one accountant is, you're limited to their abilities. Our firm, we have, there's 14 people in our firm. And when I have a question, I'm not on my own. I have, there's three other CPAs I can turn to. When my accounting team, they, when they have a question, 
they have other accounts right next to them that they can turn to. And there's no ego involved. You know, I can sit here and say that we're the best accounting firm in Arizona and I can mean it, but it's not an ego thing. It's strictly a, I'm so proud of my team that what they're capable of doing. And it's, um, it's really an honor to watch them work and see how they take care of, um, my clients. And so, uh, I got to give credit to TJ Casey who founded the firm, um, I think eight years ago, he, he put his clients before he put, you know, his own profitability, he put that first and he set the tone. And so we've kept that going. It's more important that we take care of the clients and in the, in turn, the clients have taken care of us and they've remained loyal and we've taken care of our people. And, uh, because we treat them with the respect that they deserve, they, they have our clients best interest in mind. And so, yeah, to answer your question, what sets us apart is our people. We're, we're better than every other accounting firm in Arizona. And I truly believe that. Well, I'm, I'm going to share with you what uh, Landon and I say internally, and you guys can potentially use it because you guys are certainly living it. But we say serve the client first, last, and always, and the profits will take care of themselves. And we truly believe that. If you, if you really do put the client relationship first and make sure that they're taken care of first, last, and always, then we'll be fine as an organization because we'll be paid for doing what we do that is beneficial to our clients. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And the nice thing about what we do is we, at the end of the day, we can choose who we work with. And, you know, we like to work with high character people as well, like clients, you know, we have high character clients and so treat them well and they're, they're good people. They're going to want to treat you well. They're going to want to tell their friends about it. And, you know, that's why we've been so blessed at Casey Lissler gets. Yeah. Well, I've appreciated the conversation. I, I appreciate the fact that you have more personality than most stereotypical accountants. And it's obviously a stereotype for a reason because that's not necessarily the case. But uh, I've appreciated the conversation. I've, I've picked up a couple of things from you. One, I would say the biggest thing that I picked up from you was your passion for serving your clients and the importance of doing accounting work and financial work correctly for your clients and, and how that benefits them. But it also benefits our overall economy. Absolutely. Yeah. Small business owners are so important to our economy and we like to look out for them. Um, so it becomes my pet peeve when I see people doing a poor job at accounting and serving business owners poorly. So I appreciate you noticing that. I appreciate you having me on. This has been fun. My first podcast. I hope I did okay. Um, and I appreciate the listeners for uh, listening to my monotone voice for an hour. <laughs> you, you did great. I, I really appreciate the conversation. Look forward to staying in touch with you. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks, Max. You've been listening to Tycoons of Small Biz, proudly hosted by Austin Peterson and Landon Mance. Austin and Landon are comprehensive financial planning professionals specializing in financial, estate, and succession planning for small business owners. Austin and Landon have offices in Scottsdale, Arizona, and Las Vegas, Nevada, and represent clients in 14 states throughout the country. Join Austin, Landon, and the Featured Tycoons live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. right here on Business Radio X and your favorite podcast platform.